podcast in the world from WWE to DNA Impact by way of the NWA. It's time for Reffin' It Up with legendary referee Brian Hepner and guest host, Mr. Reffin' Rant himself, Jimmy Corderas. An all new episode starts in this. Is revving it up. Welcome back to Reffing Them Up. I am RJ. I'm joined by the two greatest referees of all time. First and foremost, Mr. Jimmy Corderas and Mr. Brian Hebner. Jimmy, what's up, man? No, I'm good, man. Hanging out here in Canada. The weather's been very nice. Not too hot, not too cool. Just right where it needs to be. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, no doubt. Brian, Brian, somebody that's always too hot to handle. Mr. Brian Hebner. Brian, what's up? <laughs> I'm good, Brian. I'm really, really good. I'm very, very excited about this show tonight. Very, very excited. Um, yeah. The most excited I've been in quite a while. Not that other guests aren't just exciting, but just catching up with old Gerald Briscoe is always a, a good thing. Mm-hmm. And did their podcast, by the way, the stories of uh, uh, Briscoe and, I guess, Bradshaw. Uh, mm-hmm. That was so much fun. If you have not ever heard their podcast or haven't heard it in a while, you need to check it out. We had a good time. We told some truly crazy backstage stories that probably shouldn't be out in public. Um, but it was fun. We didn't care. We just let it fly my kind of way. So hey, anyway, uh, I'm excited. Yeah. I can't wait to get them on to finish off the business I had from last night. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, I know that episodes, I know I saw Mr. Briscoe release something online today that that's coming up soon. Um, so hopefully in the next few days, we'll see that. So stick to actually, uh, all actually, our social medias. Actually, I forgot to tell you, it's coming out Thursday. He texted me today, told me it was coming out on Thursday. Okay, I'll show this, me the Thursday this week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Look at, look at, looking forward to it, B. I, I did their podcast right. a little while back and man, they just it's just too much fun and brings back some great memories. Yes. Mm-hmm. So all of y'all who listen to us, Right now, go. Don't forget tomorrow, which is Thursday. You can listen to the uh, to Gerald Briscoe and JBL mm-hmm. stories, um, and then some of the stories that uh, Baby Hebner has for uh, for you guys. That um, there you go. Ooh, that was some funny ones. It's gonna be good. <laughs> well, I can't can't wait for that. And something that uh, I haven't been able to wait for is our first count. This is your one count. Gentlemen, I there's no better way to do it, but you know, after we got off last week, uh, we we paid homage to uh, Terry Funk, and shockingly, uh, is the best way I can and say this is we we lost Bray Wyatt, aka Wyndham Rotunda, last um, Friday. Um, just an absolute um, gut punch to the business across the board. Um, obviously Jimmy, this is, you know, the Rotunda family very, very well, obviously as well as Brian, but man, just, just unbelievable. It, it is unbelievable. And it's truly sad when we lose anyone, but, uh, this one really hits close to home because it just seems like too soon. And yes, uh, I did, I, I did know his dad very well. You know, we got, we worked together for many, many years. Um, I didn't get the privilege to work in the ring with, with Bray, but I got, uh, or Wyndham. Uh, but I got to experience his creative, his creativeness, 
which was really, really something special. And and from talking to others who got to work with him and got got to see that side of him, uh, the best was still yet to come. It's just uh, the unfortunate circumstances surrounding this situation. Uh, I, you know, I feel almost guilty wishing that I could have seen more from him in the ring. But here's a someone who lost, you know, a family who lost a, a son, a husband, a father, all of the above. So um, nothing but the sincerest condolences to the Rotunda family and to, you know, may his memory be eternal, as we say. Yeah, uh, Jimmy, I'm with you. What's 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 saddest about this to me uh, is that the guy was 36 years old and it wasn't like he was overdosing on drugs. It was just a, you know, a, a here today, gone tomorrow deal uh, with family, kids, like you said. And I don't really think that there's really like I, I, maybe I don't know. Has there been anyone in the business as smart as him as far as character? Um, you know, I'm like you, Jimmy. I did, I wasn't blessed to actually work with him in the ring. But, man, I was like every other fan. I lived through him. He was my favorite thing. My favorite thing for for whenever he was on TV. He was my favorite thing. I um, didn't used to watch SmackDown too much. Uh, it's just a Friday night. It's a hard night. It's like, you know, Saturdays. Weekends are hard for me. Um, but when he came back and he was on both shows, dude, I tuned in to see him on there. I mean, that's, that's the character that I loved. I've got, you know, and he, he was such a kind guy that people I've talked to said he was just, just a a uproar and, and, and just positivity and and good vibe energy and pep talking and all that kind of stuff. It's just, you know, you know, deaths happen. It's part of life. We know this, but some of them we don't understand. You know what I mean? I get the ones more about age and I get the ones more about, uh, I don't get them, but I understand them, I guess, because uh, they happen frequently as, you know, self-induced deaths and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But this is just a freak accident, a heart attack while you're sleeping. Uh, you fought COVID and, brought, you know, made it worse. And then you you, you you kick out and you're actually announced it's coming back soon. And then this happens. Just sad. And I feel bad for the kids and the family and the friends. And mm-hmm. he touched a lot of people in that locker room. And you can tell. I mean, like, and you really could tell. Mm-hmm. And you could look at Instagram. And I mean, it was... It was, I don't think I've seen anyone since Eddie Guerrero have that many posts over and over and over again. It was, it was pretty amazing. And that just meant to me, which I probably already knew that what a special character, what a special talent, and what a special guy uh, Bray Wyatt was. So very, very sad. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but I, I, to move on, we had a very busy weekend in, in professional wrestling. Uh, we had the big AEW All-In show there in Wembley Stadium this past weekend. Uh, a announced re- uh, record of 81,035 fans. But as Jimmy uh, made it known to me before we hit the record button, it was a everything included total comps, what have you, of 93,174. Which, ironically enough, which he pointed out, was one more, one more person more than the Pontiac Silverdome record from WrestleMania three. So Jimmy, I, that's you, unreal. <laughs> are you kidding me? Well, that's that that that's what I read. I read that they announced that the overall attendance, not paid attendance, but the overall attendance was ninety three one seventy four. And if you go back and look at uh, WrestleMania three at the Silverdome, it was ninety three thousand one seventy three. So, uh, you know. Is it coincidental that it's just one person more or is it just 
to, to add more fuel to the fire. I don't know. It just, it, it, it because, you know, in wrestling, uh, let's be honest, the numbers are fudged sometimes <laughs> when they get no. stuff like that. No, uh, I hate to break it to you there, RJ, but yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, and if this is the case here to do it by one just feels petty to me. That's all. Yeah. yeah, but also deep down, do you really feel like they really broke the record by one if they knew they fudged it? It's like, it's no, oh, I was getting ready to go somewhere. No, no, no never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, presidential election, if that gives you any idea. Um, okay. but but cool. really, they they, they they think that they really broke the record. Come on, I mean, just take the, the wonderful number you've got and run with it. In the 81, still the biggest that's ever been at Wembley. Paid, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. So just take that and run with it. Now you want to go for another record that you really didn't get. So it's not really an honest record. It's yeah. so much ego. Ego, ego, ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, no, and, and the sad part, we talked about this before you came on and we hit the record button, Brian, with Jimmy and myself, is the sad part about this pay-per-view is they're not going to remember anything with the pay-per-view itself. They're going to remember the stupid incident again backstage involving CM Punk and this time Jack Perry of all people. Um, It's just unreal for, you know, you kind of put that damper on this great pay-per-view and it was a great pay-per-view overall to have now this come out. And it's like, are, are we serious? And it's just, when, when's this enough enough, Jimmy? It exactly when this is what happens when you let the inmates run the asylum, you know, uh, you know, and I don't want to make this about them doing it this way and WWE doing this way. But can you imagine somebody trying to do uh, that in the WWE with Vince McMahon in charge? They would never get away with this kind of stuff. And it's sad because I want to congratulate AEW on a successful event. You know, that great attendance. They had, a, like you said, pretty much overall, it was a it was a banger pay-per-view, you, you know, a lot of interest, a lot of stuff going on. And I love to congratulate him. And what the fans should be talking about, even today, a couple of days after the pay-per-view, they're not talking about what's dominating the news cycle. Everybody wants to know what happened between Jack Perry and CM Punk. And this side says this, and this side sa- says that. What's the truth? I know always the truth lies somewhere in the middle. But at the same time, this is something uh, that back in the day a lot of times would be kept under wraps now it's everybody wants to get it out there and be part of their news cycle regardless of what it is and it's just too bad that this is dominating the news cycle more than uh the matches that occurred and and uh the talent that really put a you know a hell of an effort to put on a hell of a show now if the story the way i heard it is correct um you guys know how i feel about punk um I think that this was a childish, stupid Jack Perry move. If the if the if what I'm reading is correct, it's childish. This is some shit you do in in high school. And Jimmy, you're right. If you were in WWE, they don't even try it there because they know their ass is shit came. There is no warnings. There's nothing. You're done. You're toast. But they're gonna get suspended. I'm hearing one longer than the other, possibly, or maybe nothing. But who cares? Like, what is Jack Perry thinking? He knows he's playing with a kid who likes to play back. So what did he think was going to happen? He's just going to get away like he was going to just like start a fight and just not have him finish it? Come on. We already know the guy wants the drama. We already know the guy wants all the beef, wants all the bullshit. And then you're going to walk him to a guy on one of your biggest pay-per-views 
in your company's history and start this shit. It, it's just dumb. It's dumb. I mean, it really just doesn't make sense for the company. And if I, I would be so irate at, at, at him as a talent. And I'm talking about Jack Perry. Because CM Punk didn't do anything on this occasion. He didn't. He didn't. And you know what the other news I'm hearing is that Perry started it and ended up getting choked out. Good. I hope he did choke you out. Mm-hmm. You deserved it. You deserved it. I wish he'd have done it in front of 81,000 people. You Make know, more money just, off of it. <laughs> exactly. Yes. That's the big thing. Nobody's making money off all this stuff. It's it's just, yeah. you know, back in the day, the guys would put that stuff in their back pocket from now if it got out and say, hey, mm-hmm. let's take this in the ring. We'll forget about it. We'll do business. Backstage is a different story. Mm-hmm. No, but they can't do I, that now. They can't work together. Well, and once again, just, once again, Georgia, let me just reiterate. If the yeah. story that I've read is true, then it's Jack Perry's fault. If it was Punk that started it, well, it's the same saying. Get rid of his ass. I mean, let, yeah. let's go. I mean, come on. Um, but but for, for, for this example, though, it's like if you guys, like you're going back to the WWE times, Jimmy, back to the Attitude Era, Brian here, towards the Ruthless Aggression area, Era, excuse me. Say this type of things happens there. I, for me, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think it would have even gotten to Vince McMahon because guys like JBL, Undertaker, you know, these veterans would squash it before he even gets to his office. And and maybe that's uh, that's another thing. It's like, you don't have a locker room leader here to take the bull by the horns and say, guys, stop this. This is stupid. You know what? Is 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 Billy Gunn still there? Is he still there? Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. If I was him, I would step up and start smacking motherfuckers around. I mean, there's your locker room leader right there. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna argue and fight with bully? I mean, with bully right or bully right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, with with uh with Billy. I mean, come yeah. on. There there there's some guys over there. There's some guys over there that could be that. I don't think anybody wants to step up and do it because Jimmy, like you said, they're running the asylum. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the positive things I wanted to touch on uh, before we get to our retro review is uh, you know this tag team match that FTR had with the Young Bucks. I know I posted it online and I know other people did too, but to me, this is how tag team wrestling should be done. If you watch this match, you know, yeah, it started off a little slow in my eyes, but it really, really revved up. No, I I get what you're saying about starting off slow, but it's because you've got a team like the Bucks who usually go, uh, you know, balls to the walls right out of the gate. You know what I mean? So it was different. I like when they start off and, and take their time and tell a story and progress and get the audience more invested, more invested, more invested. And, it, and you know, that crowd noise grows as the match progresses. So that's what I liked about this match is, is you know, at the beginning you were going, oh, they're a little bit quiet. Oh, they're starting to come now. Here they go. Yeah. They got them. Who, who's better than FTR man right now? Anybody? I, I mean, I can't, I can't name anybody. They're good, man. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's hard to beat them now. And you, you see a lot of the stuff from WWE, uh, NXT impact, and there's not really anybody touching their work right now. Um, and I think that's, it'd be interesting to see where they go from here. It really does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing I wanted to touch on before uh, we we move on 
is Jimmy mm-hmm. main event. Yeah. Ending in your classic. I think if you had a finishing move, Jimmy, it would mm-hmm. be a roll up. It, it, no, it would be a ref and roll up. Yeah, there, there you go. Even better. You got to pass. Call it. No, look, I, I understand that at times this finish works. I think it's just being overused lately. And for a match of this magnitude, and especially with all the stuff that, you know, they were having a hell of a match despite the two ref bumps where the ref even came back from a, what was it? A, a, a sunset flip per Corona pile driver. Oh, thing. Uh, uh, Panama oh. sunrise off the turnbuckle, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The, the referee took a Panama sunrise. He should be <laughs> not, he should have been stretchered out of there. Let's put it that way. But he comes back and finishes the match. And then the ending of the match ends up being a roll up. Oh, I don't know. It just, it just too much for me. There is a time where that finish does work. It's just the main event of, of their biggest pay-per-view ever wasn't the right time, in my opinion, to do that finish. And the, and the way it ended with them being best friends afterwards again, too, to continue that storyline. It just, it was just confusing for me. That's all. Here, here's, here's the thing, Jimmy. Here's the thing. You got super fucking referee in there <laughs> taking, you know, everything come has his comeback. And they do it for no reason to just have a roll up. I mean, it doesn't fucking make sense. You know what I mean? No. What's what's the ref bump for? For false finishes? Right. Pretty much. Seems like that. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. But I do want to do and this, RJ. Go ahead. Go yeah. ahead, Jimmy. No, no. Could because that's the other thing too. They had some pretty good false finishes where they had the crowd. Uh, again, the, you need reasons for things to happen and. <laughs> The, the way that worked out, there wasn't a reason to have that happen. There's two things you need on a big pay-per-view, brother. You need lots of juice and you need ref bumps all over the fucking place. That's what you need. <laughs> Amen to that. Okay. Well, look, RJ, I don't want to do ref and review this week. You know why? Because sure. my Uh-oh. good dear pal, I told a certain time to be on here, and I guarantee he will be, and I'm not cutting into his time. I can tell you that right now. So I think we ought to go ahead and set it up uh, to the second count and uh, bring in Mr. Gerald Briscoe. This is your two count. Gentlemen, I have the great honor of welcoming in a WWE Hall of Famer, the one, the only Mr. Gerald Briscoe. Mr. Briscoe, thank you for joining us tonight. Hey man, it's a pleasure to be here, man. I'm I'm enjoying the show. I enjoy, especially I'm enjoying these two referees discuss their point of view. You know that's a, that's the great thing about our business. If you don't have a great referee in, in the ring with you, you, you very seldom are going to have a great match because it takes everybody to to build that match and have having one of these two guys uh, at, at your side or in front of your whatever the case may be. I mean, they're, they're the best in the business. So man, it's a pleasure to be here with you guys. Oh, Mr. V it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. That was very kind of you to say those words, but we had some great mentors to, to, to get us there and you are among them. And we thank you for not only mentoring us for be, but also for being here tonight. Well, thank you. I'm not sure Brian was on my podcast as you've been on my podcast too, Jimmy. And, uh, you know, some, some of the things that you guys uh, alleged that I had you doing, cartwheels and uh, rolls <laughs> and 
and stuff like that. I don't really think that's true. I don't remember. I don't recall doing that. You know, it must have been somebody else on the damn mic. <laughs> no, it was a, it was during dark matches, so nobody saw it. It's okay. <laughs> nobody but the trunk. What the vet walked by? What the hell did I just see? I said nothing, sir. And he said, "Okay, <laughs> kept on walking." <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. Hello there, Gerald. We 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 meet again. Yeah, we meet again, man. We had some fun the other night. Uh, you're probably, I don't know when this thing uh, drops. Use that fancy language that you you millennial guys use now, dropping and all that stuff. But we are <laughs> our, our our show with you, uh, Briscoe uh, stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, uh, whatever tomorrow morning is date wise. I don't know, but it's Thursday morning. <laughs> but uh, wherever you get your damn podcast, you can hear JBL and I and. I tell you, it's a hoot working with that big ass Texan. You know, he he's as obnoxious on the podcast as he is in real life, too, as you found out. Um, and also, I want to be able to make sure that you get credit for everything. By the way, Mister Briscoe, <laughs> um, uh, not only did you teach me how to do cartwheels, you also taught me how to, let's say, nut check people. <laughs> Hey, tell us that story, man. And I think I, I'm sure Jimmy enjoyed that too. Or our good friend Tony Chimmel. I I, I, <laughs> I think JBL is really the only friend that Chimmel has. I, we're we're just acquaintance <laughs> with Chimmel, and that's all we want to be known for is acquaintances of Chimmel. But JBL has gone down on record that he's a friend of Tony Chimmel's. I can't believe that anyone would admit it. Honestly, tell I'm tell us friend. about it. Tell us about a, a cup check on on Tony Chimmel. Right. Okay. Well, um, I was in the ring and, and believe me when I tell you guys out there that are listening that Mr. Briscoe, as nice and sweet as he is, and I love him with all my heart, made special efforts to gorilla when I was in that ring for certain reasons. Um, I won't say what they were, but probably just to be his pup. Um, so Chibble always knew that I was going to mess with him because I did it every night. Uh, Jerry, Jerry <laughs> but Jerry pulled out a new one for me. No cartwheels, no rubbing his head, no smacking his ass, none of that. No grabbing his cheeks. He says, I want you to wait till he's in his announcements. While he's announcing, I want you to walk by him, and I want you to hit him in the nuts. <laughs> and I'm like, I look at the camera, and I go just like this, and I know you guys can't see, but it's as fast as my head could swivel. No. No, those I'm jaws, those jaws were just flopping like Tony Chimmel's jaws. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm telling Mr. Briscoe, which is a very bad sin, to no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and he said, if you don't fucking do it, don't even walk the fuck back here. <laughs> so I think everyone out there probably realizes what I did. I slid laterally, laterally over to Chimmel while he turned away from hard camera. And as JBL said, nailed the shit out of him. <laughs> right in his nuts. He bent over, had the microphone close enough, and went, ooh. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, was we really used good. to get that Chimmel. I mean, I, people think he's a great sport, but he's just a wuss, man. I, he, he couldn't <laughs> fight back. But uh, we, 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 gave, we gave that guy so much grief. It's a wonder that he survived all those years. Hmm. And 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 Jimmy, you you weren't you weren't the church mouse involved in this stuff too. You were involved in everything too. 
Well, I kind of dabbled a little bit. Let's put it that way. Dabbled a little bit. <laughs> I still remember. I still remember the 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 night with uh, what was it APA and Public Enemy when uh, the the mauling happened. Oh yeah, but because uh, I was I wasn't privy. You were at Gorilla, so my yeah. Understanding... Well, did, did, what, what, what was that? I mean, I wasn't out to ringside. That was the best seat in the house. Tell us a little bit, because I I can explain what happened backstage. Just seconds before they're 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 scheduled to go out, Public Enemy said we're not going to do the table bump, I guess, and uh, and at about the time the music hit, so they got no time to talk about it. So John tells Ron, Ron said they did what? Damn. Okay, okay. <laughs> and so that that's my perspective. What happened? Tell us a little bit about the, about the action out there. What well, happened? Here's the thing: the table spot was the end of the match. Right. That was that was the finish. The yeah, that was finished. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here they come down to the ring. I'm not thinking anything. Here comes Ron and John, and they've got this look on their face. It's, it, it's, it wasn't the APA look. It was Ron and John who were hot, and I knew something was up. I go, I wonder what's going on here. And they just beat the living piss out of these guys. And I really didn't start the match because you couldn't start the match. You couldn't start. They, Where are you going to start? What was Public Enemy's facial? What was their What was their reaction when they, they get pummeled they, like that? They were taking it. They were taking it. I got to give them credit for that. Uh, they yeah. took that beating. They took the beating like men. They mm. but they got the living. You know what kicked out yeah. of them. And John and John kept going and kept going and kept going and kept going. And finally, I hear from Mr. Bree in the back, Jimmy, you might want to ring the bell to end this anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then Please. I finally call for the bell and, I, and I'm trying to wave it off like, no, this match is not had, whatever. But they still kept going. Yeah. And then, you know, Ron and John get to the back and they're waiting for these guys. They're waiting for these guys. And here come Public Enemy, shook their hand, thanked them, left. And I've never seen him since. <laughs> wow wow just walked out like that I, I remember walking through gorilla and you know i i, I had it was my match but i was also doing gorilla so i couldn't leave i usually talked to my matches after after the show when i got after the show i went from trying to find them they were gone <laughs> they had left down yeah but they were i'd have been gone too yeah mm. You know, and it's one of those things, too, is you brought this up, too. I also want to bring up and it seems to be a common denominator where JBL's, you know, in it the whole time is the uh, angle when you guys were doing the angle where with ECW. And nobody knew what was going to happen. I believe it was JBL and Savio Vega, if I don't if I stand corrected. Uh, And it was on Raw, I believe. And just it's how did you as a producer coming back out it's being like okay what's going on with this you think what was your mindset with that well there gets to a point where where the mayhem starts and the referee don't have any control and so you know you have have zero control from the headset from the referee and so you know you just you just so you you kind of kind of surmise everything that's going on in the ring and then okay well just catalog it as soon as they walk through those curtains you're you're on it but there's absolutely nothing it's got to be a helpless feeling for the for the referees who know that as soon as they come through you know they're going to hey why didn't you have more control of it yeah and there's times that you have no control and, and you have no as a producer you, you don't so you just you know your spots you know your talent number one you know what can happen and and like, 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 you know, you knew 
when 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 this public enemy thing happened, that is right there before the curtain. So you knew that something volatile was going to happen in the ring, and it did. Hey, Jerry, uh, real quick, uh, I hate to move on to more professional type stuff because you already because. <laughs> but um, you know, when you made that transition from college wrestling into professional wrestling. I find this really, like, really, really cool and fascinating. I want you to touch on this because not many people can say this. I've had many guests. I don't know how many episodes we've done. I read about it the other day, quite a few, and no one's ever had this one. But you were going into the professional wrestling business. You were trained by your brother. Now, brothers get along. I know how they do, with along with siblings. That had to be some stretching going on. Can you talk about oh. this a little bit? Oh, man. I mean, it, it was wild. I mean, you know, I was fortunate because my brother, my brother is four years older than me. So uh, we, we had a lot of tussles growing up. And when, when we were in college, guys were afraid to work out with Jack. I mean, they were afraid because Jack was so strong and just would get so, so involved that he, he would go 100% during his workout. And, and guys were, were afraid that he was going to hurt them in practice. So. Nine times out of the 10, the coach would look over at me after Jack had gone through three or four of his regular workout partners because he knew Jack and I, he knew we'd both fight till death, you know? Yes. <laughs> and so, so the coach would say, your turn, <laughs> Briscoe Jr., that's what he called Briscoe Jr. I'd look at him and, oh, man. So I'd go in there, and I at one time, I don't know how it happened, but, guys, I set up the perfect – friggin' double leg takedown on my brother, man. I yanked his head down real hard, and when he went to resist me and yanked his head up, I shot the most beautiful double leg takedown. If I'd shot that in a match, I could have won a national championship with it, probably. But <laughs> I, I nailed I nailed him. He went right back on his ass. Everybody in the room, you could hear him gasp for air, because they knew shit was coming or going to happen. Mm -hmm. So as soon as he landed, he got around to his all fours. I felt an elbow. I, I wrapped myself around his waist. I felt an elbow come back, and I happened to make the mistake of looking up, and that elbow caught me right between the damn eyes. Immediately, both of my eyes puffed up, and I was beat up. And he turned around, he started welling on me until finally the coach blew the whistle for about five minutes, and he stopped beating on me. After practice, I was living at home because I was a local guy. I walked into my house. My mom looked at me, and she said, what the hell happened to me? I said, your son, your son. I wouldn't even say his name. <laughs> she said, Jack did that to you? I said, yes. Well, where, where is he? I said, he's home probably. So, man, I had my mom was pissed at my brother for like five days, you know. But then when she found out, she said, you should have protected yourself, son. <laughs> That's a resting mom for you right there. <laughs> Tremendous. Well, guys, oh. I, Brian, I, this is a surprise. We have a run-in. I don't want to come on. This. I want to know who, used, oh. who taught Mr. Briscoe how to use a damn camera. It's <laughs> like in the bottom corner of the camera. But all you guys quit having so much respect for Mr. Briscoe to tell him, put yourself in the middle of the damn camera, you old bastard. Why? I, look, I, I have to have respect for Mr. Briscoe. Down. Blow it down. 
We want to see you. They're, they're better. J- JBL, I have to have the respect for Mr. Briscoe because coming back to Gorilla with the, with, with the man sitting there, Mr. Briscoe had my back many times. So I... Mr. Briscoe had everybody's back many times. He's a wonderful human being, but he doesn't know how to use a damn camera. He's a Luddite. Hell, hell you, you still, bet, you bet, we've done, you bet. We've done a podcast for two years, and every single week he still can't figure out how to get on with his rotary dial telephone. <laughs> you you've been teaching me for two years how to use this camera so i'm using it to you per your expertise tonight yeah okay, so it's all my fault <laughs> well well by the way by, by the way listeners who can't see any of this um there's some crazy madness going on here at reffing it up and of course who brings the fucking noise but jbl himself amen uh, and, and and you know what guys we should also loot them with the dallas sucks yeah. <laughs> I'm not like getting you, roped Brian. in on that. I'm not getting roped in with that, Brian. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay neutral. Wow. Yeah, as Boy, the next Oklahoma should... also let, let me explain something to you, Brian Hebner. All right, little Hebner, whatever I don't whatever your name is now. As, as that is indeed your real name, as Dutch Mantel would say. <laughs> what this country needs is a wall, just like Donald Trump said. But we don't need a wall between Texas and Mexico because we got no problems with our Mexican neighbors. Texas used to be part of Mexico. They're our friends. We need a wall between Texas and Oklahoma. And we're never your friends. Briscoes out of the rest of the world. I, you know, I got no trouble with that as long as you rich ass Texans pay for it. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've never done this. Now, we've done close to 100 episodes and I've never done this. So I want you guys to watch this and, and people at home. I'll tell you what I did in a minute. Here's our show notes and our and what we're doing today. It's gone. <laughs> they yeah. better be. Oh. Yeah. When lay when lay filled, man, I I you know I'm trying to be the professional on our podcast stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw, but he goes off script so much. Sometimes I don't even know if, if it's a lay filled area. We he don't to, have a script, Mister Briscoe. Well, the last script I gave you, you took to the pharmacy and tried to cash it in, man. So I put right. Now. <laughs> that's, that's one of the things I love about your podcast. You guys call it out there. It's it's amazing. And here's the call other call it in a ring, brother. Yeah, there you go. And and I was. We were talking earlier about things, and I brought up the uh, the incident that you and Ron had with uh, a certain tag team, former ECW tag team. Where uh, I heard heard from Mister Briscoe that just before you guys were coming out to the ring for the match, they said they're not doing the table spot, and then they just walked out. <laughs> well, said, well what, I, what we got say? we got three of the four people that were on one side of the correct side of the, the ass whooping. <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast and i just left ron simmons he's i'm here in vegas right now i literally just left ron we were joking about that you know what was amazing about that was when they, at gorilla i guess jimmy you had already gone to the ring i believe mm-hmm. and the one of them turned to me and said we don't want to do that spot with the table the music's playing i mean playing <laughs> at that time but they didn't give me an alternative they didn't say hey we don't want to do that spot which is the finish but we wanted, we'll do this instead. And then they just leave. And so Ron turns to me, he goes, what was that? I go, they don't want to do the finish. And they didn't, but they didn't tell us we're going what they were going to do. And so Ron goes, well, they don't want to do the table. We'll take the table to them. <laughs> All he said, Mr. Briscoe was sitting there at grill. He's the only other person there. And he goes, what's going on? And I said, I'm not sure, Mr. Briscoe. He goes, you guys are going over, right? I said, 
Yes, we are. I just don't know if it's going to be 18 <laughs> seconds or 18 minutes, but we're going over. <laughs> oh, it was, it was, uh, as I, as I said earlier, the, the mauling went on for a while before Mr. Briscoe, we didn't even start the match. The match really didn't officially start. So, no, so we thought we were going into a fist fight. We had no idea what was going to happen. I mean, they told us they weren't doing the finish. Yeah. And, and I'd never been told anything like that. You know, I basically see you out there. And I thought, good grief. I, we thought we we're walking into a shoot. Yeah. We had no and, idea what we were doing walking into. And so the match wasn't supposed to be a wild west match. It's supposed to be a normal match, but we figured this isn't this isn't going to be a match anyway. Yeah. And, and like like I said, I heard I hear in my earpiece, uh, Jimmy, you may want to ring the bell to end this thing anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> So the best part was we waited for him at grill at the back and we figured, well, that the fight's going to be there. Cause the fight wasn't, it really wasn't in the ring. They walked back, shook our hands, said, thank you. And walked out. And to this walked day, I, you know, I wish, you know, I wish I'm sorry that both of them passed away. I wish one of them was alive. So we could at least ask them, what were you thinking? What were you planning on doing? I mean, I, I had no idea what it was. Most important question, what the hell was you thinking? I mean, come on. They're they're <laughs> tough guys, but man, you know, they're going up against two guys that, that had the reputation, especially especially Ron, you know, yeah. uh, not to yeah. not the Texas guy, but to Ron, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you just don't say that to Ron Simmons. We're not taking your finish. Right. And without an alternative, without saying, okay, here's yeah. what we're going to do or willing to do. Yeah. It's basically we're not doing the finish. See you out there. I mean, that just <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, it's crazy to me. I don't know what they were thinking. So, John, John, tell them why you're out in Las Vegas uh, uh, with Ron Simmons. Ron is getting a great award this week, right? Fred Cauliflower Alley. He is. Ron's getting one of the old prestigious awards for the Cauliflower Alley Club. Much deserved. You know, I've yeah. always said, you know, sometimes it's mask when you when you know a guy like Ron Simmons, you forget about the importance of who Ron Simmons is. You know, he's. He's our Jackie Robinson. He's our Bill Russell. He's our Jim Brown. You know, he's he's the guy that's that's bigger than our sport for a lot of reasons, and you know because of that, he's getting a, a really well deserved honor. You know, before he got into football, he he did head careers. He ended up in the Orange Bowl and college football Hall of Fame. He ended up in having his jersey retired at Florida State. And Bobby Bowden said he was the greatest player he ever coached. And this from a guy who coached uh, Deion Sanders. You know, this Ron is. A unique individual, as anybody would know, and all the stories about Ron, the, the legendary Chuck Norris type stories, they're all true. <laughs> I was there. Right, John, the ceiling now. John, John, what what is your favorite Ron Simmons story? Is it the the, the blizzard? With uh, with uh, Teddy Long, or what? What is your favorite Ron Simmons story? It could be the blizzard, or it could be a one. We were Ron and I actually brought it up today. Ranger Ross was down here. We were talking to Ranger Ross, and he was telling stories. And we're in a bar up in uh, in the north, and so uh -huh. the, I get into a little scuffling part of the bar, and Ron's on the other side of the bar, and he's getting drinks or something, and a bunch of knives come out, and so I'm just now <laughs> surrounded by a bunch of guys with knives, and I back myself up into a corner, and I thought, oh, this this is not going to end well. And I see Ron sees what's going on, and literally Ron, like an Avenger, is running across the bar to come help me. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting, <laughs> I got knives pointed at me. I'm about to get carved like a Thanksgiving turkey, and uh, don't bring up Thanksgiving. Mister Briscoe gets mad about that still to this day. <laughs> and all this stuff, and he, he still he's just he's an angry person. Uh, I am. Ron, Ron, when he gets right before he gets 
to me, grabs a beer bottle off a table and steps right in front of me. And so he's between me and all these knives. And he cuts the greatest promo to this day I've ever heard in my life in that James Earl Jones type voice. But the last thing he says is, I'm going to hit the first white man that moves with this bottle. <laughs> and in my inebriated state, I start looking around and I thought, I'm the only white guy in the bar. And, I'm, <laughs> and, and I'm trying to, I thought, why would Ron hit me if he's coming to save me? This is, you know, we've, we've had a little drink. So yeah. Ron looks around and goes, no, 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 not you. And, <laughs> and the guys look at us like, these are the two craziest people we've ever seen in our lives. <laughs> literally, they say, just get out of here. <laughs> just go. <laughs> hey, hey, Bradshaw, you, you, you uh, Jerry, you, you'll love this too. Um, the boys have already heard this on, uh, on our show, but uh, I was greener than grass um, getting on the road, trying to figure my way around. And so I thought, I thought that Rakishi and Ron were being generous men. And they offered for me to ride with them. And I said, yeah, sure. This is be wonderful. And they go, well, here's what you do. Ron, I need you to do this then real quick. Um, there's a place called Enterprise. Enterprise. Uh, they got a little shuttle over there. You take the shuttle, you go down there, and you just pick any car. Now, I'd rather you get something big. Something that's going to be roomy for me. Because, you know, Rikishi ain't nobody small or nothing like that. And uh, I need you to go ahead and get that car. And put it on your card. I mean, they, they, they let you take anything. And uh, I need you to go, go by the liquor store and grab huh. me a fifth fifth of this vodka. Come on by back by the airport. Now, because we're going to be up in the Hilton up in here in the bar. And when you get here, you don't have my number, do you? I said, no, I don't I, I don't have your number. Okay, let me give you Rikishi's. Uh, <laughs> so he gives me Rikishi's number. And I go do everything he's saying. I don't think anything about this. I go around, do the whole deal. Call him, tell him I'm here. Pick him up. We do the loop. He tells me to drop the car off. Don't even worry about it. And I'm stuck with the whole bill. Oh. I thought Enterprise was free. He had an account. I didn't know. He got me. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Briscoe, we're looking at your ceiling again. Hey, John, <laughs> we only do audio on this thing. And for you, you uh, that's just sound. You know, So you got my sound. You got my Don't, uh, don't get one. mad. Damn, I will. <laughs> see, that's what I guys, I got to put up this shit all the time. Him trying to tell me how to do stuff. And, you know, he don't even pay attention to what the format of the show is. <laughs> we don't have a here, 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 We're driving here, to Boston. And uh, I tell Teddy Long, I said, Teddy Long, I said, Teddy, pull over. I, I got to take a leak. And he goes, again? I go, Teddy, I'm drinking. Pull over. It's snowing like crazy. We're not going that fast. It's going to take forever to get there. So Teddy finally pulls over. I get out. Ron gets out. I get back in. Teddy drives off. And so I'm sitting there looking at him. And Teddy goes, why are you looking at me? I said, well, that's not funny. I said, it's cold out there. And he said, what's not funny? I said, leaving Ron on the side of the road. I said, that's not funny. <laughs> And he said, man, Ron is right. He goes, where's Ron? He goes, where, 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 where'd Ron go? I said, he's beside the road, you dummy. He drove off and left him. So we're on the turnpike. We 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 don't know how long we got to go before we got to turn around. To, you know, those exits are few and far between. We back up in a snowstorm on the turnpike to get to Ron. By the time we get back to Ron, he's got his hand on his hip. He's got snow built up on his head and oh, on his God. arm. Oh no! And he's just standing there, and he is mad. 
<laughs> you know, last thing you want is a mad Ron Simmons at anything. <laughs> and, and a frozen mad Ron Simmons. <laughs> about five feet from Ron. He goes, now you get out and you tell him I did this on accident. And so I rolled down the window, snow's blowing in like crazy. I said, can you believe this guy left you? He's been laughing about it. <laughs> so Ron gets in the car and he ain't saying nothing. He's mad. And I think I, at one point, I think maybe I've overdone it because I think maybe no. he might kill Teddy. So I finally, I said, okay, listen, guys, let's just settle this now. Teddy, go ahead and pull over and you guys just fight and we'll get it over with. And Teddy goes, would you stop it? He's going to kill me. <laughs> we went and we finally got to the hotel. Teddy parked the car, <laughs> left the keys with somebody, because they had to valet whatever the parked car was, and checked in before we even got into the lobby. He was so scared Ron was going to kill him. That's absolutely amazing. Uh, Teddy Long, uh, he's he, he, – we, we, we could rattle on about that guy, too, for a little while. <laughs> oh, good way ever. Teddy, what a, what a guy Teddy is. Hey, I, I can tell you right now, I, I couldn't get in Canada because of him for quite a while. Oh, tell us that. Ooh. I've never heard that story there. You left that one out. What happened? This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, 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 well, who cares? Leave, leave, leave. <laughs> uh, we were going, we were in, we were in Iowa. Bumfuck Iowa to... JBL, you might have been on that show. We had to drive a long ass ways. It was almost four hours the next day. Um, we had a show in Iowa, and then the next day we had TV. Um, anyway, we're riding, we're going, we're listening to Snoop Dogg, we're chilling, you know. Um, he says, Hey, I got some little bit of marijuana, you know, yada yada yada. And I said, Sure, I'll I'll do a little bit. Not Teddy Long, not Teddy uh -huh. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, uh, and I says, Okay, uh, you know, yeah, that's cool. I smoke a little bit with him. We're going on down the road. We see a car racing up on us. And Teddy's like, oh, shit. I see something coming up on us. And I said, well, what do you think it is? He's like, I, I, I don't know. I, it doesn't look good. Most cars don't fly up on us like that. <laughs> Lord and behold, that's what it was. It was a, it was a cop. <laughs> um, so he had everything right. He had a, he had spray that he put in there. He handed me the, <laughs> the, the, the gimmick. I waited for the guy. Hey, wait, 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 wait a minute, Brian. Now, you know, this is this is something that, that people don't realize that Teddy Long, he was prepared all the time. I've been in his hotel room and he pulled out that bag. He got that ozona. He got every type of room fresher <laughs> and, and and the odor you could possibly get. But nothing kills that odor of pot, man. No. Dude, it's this is this is unbelievable in the truth. You could call him tomorrow, tonight. Uh, uh, so the cop goes to get out of the car. As soon as he goes to get out, I'm smart enough to go, he can't look forward. So I threw the motherfucker. That bitch goes into the ditch. It's gone. I already put it out. The smell was good. Well, he had this cop says that he got us because of, uh, I don't remember, to be honest with you, like we were speeding or license plate or something. I don't remember. I think it had to be speed because we were in a rental car. They wouldn't have a bad license on a racing rental car. And um, he recognized us. <laughs> and so I didn't have any eight by tens. And I think he was more into tech anyway. <laughs> Should have been. And, uh, he goes, well, look, I'm going to let you guys go, yada, yada, yada. Now, it's cold as shit that night. And Teddy goes behind the seat, reaches back in his bag, unzips his bag, grabs an 8x10, signs it, gives it to him. I sign it, give it to him. He says, y'all have a great night. Love the WWE. Uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. We, go, we go back down the road. We're gone. We're gone. Well, you know, stupid wrestlers and referees, what do we do? Let's light, light up. Another, let's light another one. <laughs> We light another one. 
we're probably two, three miles down the road, cars zooming up on us again. I am not even lying to you. It's the same cop. He pulls us over again. Oh. This time, I couldn't get rid of it. Uh-huh. Um, and the guy says he's pulling us because he's like, guys, I don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this, but I have to. I have a job. He goes, Teddy, when you reached in your bag and handed me that 8 by 10 once that 8 by 10 got on my glove because it was freezing, he went to take his glove off and radio and smelled nothing but weed. <laughs> oh. So he came back and fucking booked us everything. Did he we, give you the 8 by 10 back? No, he gave us Oh, that. wow. Of course not. He kept that. <laughs> but he did. But he did because he knew he had TV the next day. He, he let us get arrested. And then he did take us back to our car. And after, I'm not lying to you about this either. I must have had 18 fucking empty Miller lights in the back. He never said a word about it. He let us go. I mean, he really did. But he found like one joint. And then we, um, we questioned both of us. And of course, I said I smoked nothing. And of course, Teddy said, yes, you did. You know, that kind of <laughs> <laughs> Because they had a separate conversations, you know what I mean? They had him on the outside, me on another side, and then he was like, did you smoke any? And I was like, no, sir. No, sir. I can drop <laughs> They asked Teddy. He's like, yeah, he hit a couple times. You, know, you sound so, like that damn Bruce Pritchard every time we get pulled. Officer, I didn't do nothing. It was him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was an unbelievable story. But the thing was, until I got it taken care of, I couldn't get in Canada because I, I got it reduced, and so did uh, 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 Teddy. We got it to a uh, it was a possession of a non-prescribed drug. That could be anything. It could be Viagra. You know what I mean? So, and Teddy did have a lot of Viagra, right, John? <laughs> yes, he oh, did. Oh my goodness! <laughs> was he ever read? Was he ever brought to trial over Viagra? Possibly the greatest wrestler's court of all time. <laughs> oh yeah. no, 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 no! You got to tell us. You have to tell us. Yes, Jimmy, you were there, weren't you? I believe I was. Yes. <laughs> Was that that yeah, wasn't I'm the same one where Larry there, drops the drinks? The whole company was there. We were in Nashville, Tennessee, <sighs> and we took Teddy to court for selling uh, free Viagra to the boys. Mainly <laughs> 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 Viscera. <laughs> so Teddy was, you know, Viagra first came out. Teddy was getting all these samples from the doctor, and he he was selling them to the boys. So he's riding with me and Ron, and he's telling us about some so. Of course, we take him to wrestler's court, which, you know, which is what you do. It's, it was the greatest wrestler's court ever. He got May of Mula and May to represent him, and it was tremendous, to say the least. Oh, it, it was even better than the time Larry Heck came in with that tray of drinks and kind of spilt them everywhere. Yes. May oh. at one point says, I don't know why all you young boys need this Niagara. <laughs> no, it was. That was his attorney. Oh, tremendous! It was awesome. Best wrestlers court ever. Very well attended. A lot of fun. He got fined so, a bucket of chicken and a case of beer. <laughs> so he had to so, give me and Ron a bucket of chicken and beer, and he gave the judge, as usual, his bottle of Jack Daniels. Jimmy, Jimmy, what what was what was the drink Larry Hack brought in? He had a tray of drinks because he was in charge of, uh, he was the bailiff, I think, that had to go out and get the drinks for the judge and the and the prosecuting attorney and the and the defense attorney and just, you know. And so he went out there and I don't know if somebody stuck a foot out or Larry just 
<laughs> tripped over his own feet. And now Brian, Brian, tray. Brian's guilty. Whatever it was, Brian was, yeah, was there, guilty. There goes the tray, and uh, he was found guilty right away. Yeah. Of, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, one time we were in Florida, and me and Ron see Godfather pulled over by the the police, and he's with Bistra. It's middle of the afternoon. We think, oh boy, we gotta we gotta help out here because this this is not good. So we pull over right in front of the squad car. And by the time we get out of the car, we can smell the weed coming out of the car. Oh. And it's like, oh my God, these guys are so busted. We got to go back there. Godfather's back there standing, talking to this police officer. And the cop had recognized him and wanted a picture. But the whole place reeks of weed. So we <laughs> run, get back there and say, hey, Charles, listen, why don't you let us talk to the police officer? We'll take pictures. You get out of here. Well, Godfather's indulged himself in the weed he's feeling really good he goes no, no, don't worry about it the guy's a friend of mine and he wanted a picture with me he goes let's all get a picture he goes hey look it's the apa <laughs> so the guy has a drug dog in the back of his car <laughs> and the dog is in the back of the car going howling <laughs> <laughs> and scratching at the window <laughs> so like this is a something out of saturday night live so I, the cop looks at the dog and looks at us he goes even my dog recognizes you. <laughs> <laughs> Took some pictures and let us go. Let him go. Hey, hey, Jerry, Jerry, I have a good question for you. A, a, a man in your power for a long time, <laughs> for a hundred years, let's say. Okay. We'll what say. is something? What is something that you had to rat on that you had to tell someone about that some of the one of the boys did? What is something that just you couldn't. You couldn't not tell. You had to go. Oh man, I. You know, I, I, like you say, a hundred years. You see a lot of stuff on a lot of different people, and you know, I mean, wow, a lot of different people, people that don't want you mentioning stuff. I mean, I. I mean, I could say, they're, they're from Mark Callaway to Dwayne Johnson to uh, to uh, John Layfield to Bruce Prichard. <laughs> but uh, one of the things I had to had to had to tell. When you, you got one of you guys probably were on a tour, we're either in South Africa or, or UK or somewhere. But you know, occasionally guys would would go out at nighttime after a nice match, hard match, and a good match, and kind of celebrate because you're away from home or everything. So one night, John Layfield uh, decides he's going to go out and celebrate. He goes out to this bar and he gets drunk, and I hear stories about it. I'm not going to tell about the one where we woke, woke, woke it up. We got scars all over our knees and our elbows. That's another. That's another story. But <laughs> this this one here, we we have an early wake up call. We have like one of those damn obnoxious seven o'clock, six thirty wake up calls where you got to be on the bus at six thirty or you get left behind. You guys know the deal, right? I mean, you get left behind so. You know, so we wake up and all of a sudden you know, I'm down at the bus and somebody said, Briscoe, your boy ain't here. What do you mean, my boy? Who's my boy? Layfield, he's not, he's not on the bus. You better check on him. So I go I go up and I, you know, knock on the door, no, no answer the door, go back down to the desk. I said, Hey, guy, you know, I'm so and so. I need to check on one of my guys. He's not there. I just knocked on the door. Couldn't get an answer. He's supposed to be in the bus. So, uh, you know, he, he, he wanted who was John Layfield. So he gives me the key. I go up and I put the key in. I don't see Layfield on the bed. I walk around the bed in case, I, you know, he's laying on, on, on the floor. He, you know, passed out and rode on the floor and hit his head or something. But fortunately, he didn't hit his head. That might have helped him. 
So I'm starting out. I'm starting out to go back out to the hallway. All of a sudden, I see the shower curtain moving. I walk over and I said, John, damn it. You're late for the bus. You got to go. He said, Mr. Briscoe, I'll get right there. I just got to finish taking my shower. And I look, I said, John, don't you think you ought to turn the damn water on? (laughs) (laughs) I had to tell that story, man. And the bad part was, I don't know how long I've been in the shower standing there naked with no water on. He's holding the wall up. You know how you lay it on that wall, you know, holding the damn wall up. You know, he's holding the wall up and he's, he's, he's enjoying the damn shower, rubbing his head, you know, like the water's coming out and all that shit, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I start on the damn shower, let's go, man. <laughs> No, I think I, I think I had to find him fifty bucks that night. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tremendous story, and, and not to to change it now, but you know, Brian mentioned it. Sometimes, as the term goes, you have to stooge somebody yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the Montreal screw job the night where the idea of you and the late great Pat Patterson uh, were to become Mister McMahon's stooges, so to speak? Is that where it originated? The idea for it. I, well, I, I probably was, but you know, I, I think it was, it was a little bit later, probably about six, eight months later, you know, in, in Chicago is where it actually, uh, actually happened. They, uh, they wrote a gimmick, uh, where Vince needed to uh, get board approval to do something to Stone Cold Steve Austin. So of course we're in Chicago and the damn board and, and Connecticut. So. You know, we got to make up a board. Well, Briscoe Patterson, you guys are always with people know that, you know, you're, you guys are his right hand, right hand guys. So you guys are the board. So we, we became Vince Associates because nobody wanted to call us Stooges, you know, and, and, and again, all respect to JR, JR, he, he never would, he never wanted to call us Stooges until he came to talk to me one day. He said, Is there, they want me to call you Stooges? Is that all right? And I kind of laughed. I said, JR, that's all right. I don't know how you'll, you'll have a great. But he, nobody wanted to call us Stooges because of the respect factor. And finally, one day, we're in a production meeting. Vince said, Hey, Briscoe, you guys mind if we call you Stooges? And Pat, oh, no, no, no. Pat, come on. It's funny. <laughs> Pat, 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 Pat hated it at first. Then he got to like it when he got to dress up in an evening gown match. <laughs> uh, that's great. So I'm glad you guys brought him, uh, Mr. Patterson up. I wanted to play. Uh, I sent this over to uh, to Brian today so he knows a little bit about it. Um I want to share a uh, a video here for you guys, if you can see it. Um, this is from, we'll have a timestamp on this. This is when you won the hardcore championship, Mr. Crisco, uh-huh. for the second time. Um, so if I uh, bear with me. I tell you, my plans worked, didn't it? Oh, you had confidence. It worked. You got the belt again. That's what you wanted. You wanted it. You got it. You got it. Thank you, Pat. Yes, sir. Hey, what about the door? Go lock the door. Lock the door. Lock the door. Now we're going to celebrate. I'll take you to that place in New York you wanted to go, man. First, I got a little champagne. Oh, you brought champagne? Yeah. Yes, sir. Jerry. All right. He's the champion. Wait, let me taste it first. Oh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. 
to the greatest chip hey, of all time. You drank out of that glass. Oh, come on, come on, drink that now. Come on, Jerry. Come on. What are you doing? Come on. Come on. All right, all right. Cheers for the best of them all. All right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. The referee's going to oh, have Oh, come on. He did a good job, ref. Thanks. He oh, did thank a good you. job. Congratulations. Right there. Congratulations. There you go. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. Dude, and you said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Good you, champ. champ. My right. boys are Jerry, I'm, I'm so proud of, proud of you. My boys are you love me? Oh, love Do you, you love me? You. Tell me you love Jesus, me. Love you, you love me, don't you? Congratulations, Jerry. Come on, Jerry. The greatest champion of them all. What do you mean I burn your eyes? You think I burn your eyes? Well, take that. Good God. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> first of all, that would have never happened if Jimmy Corderas was the better my friend, like he was on the first one. Bingo. Oh. Oh. Oh, hey, you know what's amazing? That when we went unopposed one week, we had an 8.1 overall average rating. I mean, 8.1. You know, we wondered at the time whether it was like two different audiences watching WCW and WWE or it was the same audience. You know, doing a 4.1 for both, watching both. We realized later mm -hmm. it was actually pretty much two audiences. But the highest quarter hour was the Stooges, 8.6. <laughs> I mean, when you have a loaded roster of Stone Cold, The Rock, The Undertaker, all the people added to there, those are the guys who for a long time had the highest rated regular quarter hour in wrestling history as the Stooges. It just tells you the people that are entertaining, people want to see. And Mr. Briscoe and Pat were just in absolutely incredible. They and by the way, or by the way, our lead in for that match at eight point three or eight point four, whatever the hell it was, was was uh Bradshaw versus Ron Simmons for the first time they'd ever gone face to face <laughs> with each other. So so we had a hell of a lead in match. But man, that that was so much fun back here. We all had a great time oh. during that attitude era. But uh Jimmy, uh, one of the most mm -hmm. memorable matches I ever had, one of the hardest fought matches I ever had is what you well, you counted out uh, uh hardcore Holly, uh Crash, Crash Holly. Holly. Yeah, my first first uh, hardcore championship. What what a what a match that was, huh? It, it was incredible. It was it, it happened in the <laughs> APA office that was empty because oh, Crash wanted a place to hide. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. We went no. Uh, yeah, Crash wanted a place, to hide, and that little little guy from uh, Kid Rock came. What was Joe Joe say? Joe C. Yeah. Joe C. Yeah. 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 He was... wanted to go. He wanted to go get drunk with APA, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> see, see, I've I've been blessed in my career to ref some great matches, but that one there was one of the most fun uh, matches that I got to do. It was the quietest count, three count that I've ever done in my life. And you with that finger on Crash Holly's chest, just. So and you just, were the you were the clumsiest sob in the damn world too. You're <laughs> the one that woke a rope asleep and crashed all the up. Yeah, I tripped over that chair and kind of uh, ruined the surprise for him. That's it. <laughs> well, at least you used the door, though. You know, you got yeah. for me. You don't. Know, you, well, you, you, you had to use that door, man. Yeah. I, you, you, that was what I could stare away to heaven. You don't go out that door, man. You drop and you drop and you drop. You just gotta That's go right. out the door. <laughs> That's right. When they designed the APA set, they were gonna they were first look, we're gonna build walls, and Ron goes, No, no, that's perfect. And I said, What do you mean it's perfect? Here's just the door. He goes, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Is that how that happened? I mean, that one of that was that just that made that office, man. APL. Yeah, they had the door some... just the door set up, and Ron goes, "That's perfect. Just leave it just like that." Yeah, that's awesome. And ever everybody, I mean, I don't care who it was, everybody went in and out of that damn door. See, and there you go. It just goes to show you that one of the toughest SOBs in this business understands that entertainment sells. And here, here's a guy who made it work. You and you and of course John and Ron made that that door thing work the whole time. Every time somebody tried to walk around it, it was like, hey. But you know, everybody sold it too. You know, even The Rock when he came in, Undertaker, all those guys, we made them go through the door, and you know, they did it in their own way. You mm-hmm. know, they, they would do it. They would put the door over. You know, it's just it was part of you know what was so great about the Attitude Era, and it may be the same today, maybe the same twenty years before. I don't know. It's just that was the era we were there, and the ratings were so well. But it was everybody played their part. Mm-hmm. So, so I have a question for you, Jerry, and um, I want also I'd like for. JBL to weigh on this as well. I've always been curious about this because I never got to see this side. Now, I have worked with Shawn Michaels many times, okay? But I was working with the good Shawn Michaels, meaning not the one that had all the the, the all the all the the bad anger, anger issues. <laughs> yeah. Can y'all kind of describe for the people just a little bit? I mean, you don't have to go into great detail because this is not a this is not a downer show, a dark side of the fucking ring show. Oh, this is just a you know, a good show. I just, I always, because you both had the experience and, and the knowledge of working with him. How was it when he wasn't where he was when I was able to work with him? Well, I tell you what, I mean, you, you know, you had to be a blind man not to realize this guy had so much talent and he just had so much future ahead of him, but he was just on the wrong track. And, uh, you know, We've all seen guys like that. I mean, you guys saw it. You guys saw it and heard of it. And you, you you see guys like that. Man, what's missing from Sean? Why isn't he the top guy? I mean, you know, he the, the matches, the preheat matches with 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 Brett before they had all that heat with each other. Even when they had heat with each other, were just spectacular. But Sean, I remember going on that twenty day uh, Germany tour with Sean. Right when Sean started getting hot, Brett was a champion. And man, Sean's music would hit, and that building would just come unglued. Those German German fans just went crazy. That was the first time I really realized, man, this kid has really got it. And you know, there were some uh, cases that I had to, I had to, had to have a come to meeting a meeting with with Sean on that 20, 20 day tour over there. And I just sat there, Sean, you know, just if you get your get your shit together, man, the, the sky's a limit for what you can do, but. Yeah, he he was such a, such a talent. He, he it was he was almost impossible to work with at, at times. You know, other times where he would you know be kind of fresh and start to tour out and everything, he was a pleasure to work with. Then you just saw that stuff creeping in on him. We all have our demons, you know. And Sean at that time and and bless him, he's over those demons down. He's one of the most uh, respected guys in the history of our business. And you know, we talk about the stuff that happened in the past. But I talk about it as, as a prideful thing. I got to witness the growth and the maturity of the child Michael's a heartbreak kid. And that's that's the side I want to remember is that is that growth and that maturity that he that he brought to the table later on in his career. And man, what what a performer he ended up being. Yeah, Sean, you know, is is a terrific human being, you know, talking about now. But even even back in 95 and 96, I, I was there in the locker room every single day, starting at the end of 95 through 96 and 97. I was on the European tour. 
Sean treated me fantastic. You know, Sean treated nearly the boys really didn't have much problem with him. You know, uh, they didn't have a problem with the click. You know, there are so many people talk about how there was, you know, Scott and Kevin and, and Sean and X-Pac. Those guys were tearing up the locker room. No, they weren't. We were just interested in making money. I mean, we were getting beat by WCW. We, we weren't drawing money. We had the same roster in 96 that became the biggest drawing roster of all time. It was just guys, you know, you had Kane was in a dentist. Triple H was an aristocrat. Stone Cold was a ringmaster. You know, we, we had Billy Gunn was a rockabilly. Road Dog was a roadie somewhere. I mean, we had Ron and John were, were certainly weren't close to the APA. We were different guys. Ron had a blue helmet. I had uh, a cowboy hat and long hair. Yeah, they have that black hair. <laughs> That's right. And you know, there wasn't division in the locker room like people say. I, that but but you know, been... John. But you know, John. Reality of it was there wasn't a division in that locker room. But you get those those guys together, and that that was that was usually away from talent. They were difficult guys to manage, difficult guys for an office to manage because they always had their ideals and their ideals weren't always wrong. I mean, they had some brilliant ideals that as it turned out and we all found out they were there too, but man, you know, just, just the, uh, just the way that they were presenting themselves to the office at at that time, they were difficult guys to get along with, and the maturity of all of them was a blessing. I mean, uh, X Pac it turned into one of the one of the best young men on the history, and Kevin Nash, and God bless uh, uh, Razor Remote, who was probably, in my estimation, probably the most talented guy, even over some. Michael's that, that of, that, of that entire group. And, you know, through his demons, he just never could uh, get that, get that break. But what a talented guy, uh, uh, Scott Hall was Razor Ramon, but, uh, but together they, they were a pain in the ass for a long period of time, you know, and, and I, 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 no, and, I, and Jerry, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not dis- disputing that at all. I'm just, I'm just disputing what happened in the locker room. And the locker room, they were to, great guys. The guys respected them because of their, yeah. because of their work and everything. The guys got along great in the locker room. You know, you had yeah. the, the Canadian click, you know, they called it. Yeah. You had the yeah. BSK. Yeah. And you're, you're right, John. You know, uh, even from an office, you know, the, we never had issue, uh, a locker room issue. And I think that was because we had leaders like, like Undertaker. We had leaders like you and Ron Simmons, and even Triple H was was just a rise. He just started to rise as a leader, and you could see during that time that he was starting to to rise above all that and and be responsible for for a lot of stuff that you know that he wasn't doing, but his his running mates were doing. So, you know, we we had one of the greatest locker rooms, and you're right. There there was no heat in that locker room. We had a great locker room throughout throughout that whole whole run right. there, but. But, uh, you don't want to bid the side of it. They were pain in the asses, man. <laughs> and I don't blame them. You know, they had something special. They wanted to show it and, you know, they wanted to, they get to get the get the vehicle to show it. And they, they, they had no the way they could do it. Which also think about how great that locker room was. You know, we had the whole NWO in our locker room, you know, yeah. except for Hogan, but Hogan was, you know, wasn't in their locker room at that point either. Um, we had, we had all the guys that became the major stars on both companies mm-hmm. in the locker room. You remember Jay, at one time, you know, and we uh, weren't drawing, we weren't drawing. No, nothing. we weren't drawing nothing, man. Times mm-hmm. were bad back in those days, man. That was probably the lowest ebb, ebb, uh, tide of, of the WWE history, you know, as you go back and 
from 1983 to, to present time, that was probably one of the darkest moments, you know, that we had doing drawing crowds and, and getting everything going. And that's why we yeah. love those European tours so much, because that was the only place we made good money. Exactly. Here, here's what I want to do, guys. And uh, we, I want to go to our next segment real quickly, which is going to be fan questions. But guess what? They're not going to be fan questions tonight because <laughs> we, have too, we have too many good stories. So with that being said, when we get back, we're going to talk more to JBL, Briscoe, and our third count. Let's go head it up there now. Let's go. Can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, good thing that that's over because the NFL is here and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for one week. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up with a game-time greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single day in this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now. Use the promo code REFIN, that's R-E-F-I-N, to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That code again is REFIN, R-E-F-I-N, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit cpg.org. Please play responsibly. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, see dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after insurance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions may apply. This is your three count. We are now back with our third count. This is the way we go out. We're going out with a bang here with some questions for our guests today, Mr. Gerald Briscoe and Mr. JBL, who's getting ready to give an induction speech to one of his best friends. So we got to let him go soon. So guys, get ready for these questions. Here they come. Uh, JBL, I recently saw in preparation for this show, I watched your the induction speech that you did for Mr. Briscoe for the Hall of Fame back in, I believe that was 08. And you mentioned that they are the best tag team of all time. And I tend to agree with you on that. However, Mr. Briscoe, I want to get your thoughts on what, how you and your brother would fate would wrestle against JBL and Ron Simmons, the APA in the attitude era, all things considered. Well, Jack would probably refuse to go to the ring, number one, because <laughs> he's smart and he's how these guys work. Number two, I would probably want to stay in the ring with uh, with Ron Simmons uh, uh, more so than John Layfield, because oh. I tell you, I tell you that you know I, I'm a big APA fan, as we all should be. But uh, you know the 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 work of those two guys, and I'm just kidding. I, I would love to work with with JB. I would have loved to taken that clothesline. I would have done a 360 better than anybody that ever took that clothesline from Al too, by the way. And so 
but yeah, that that you know we we survived the road warriors, and and I'm not saying the road warriors, but we Jack and I and Ren, we're not big guys, and we survived. We at a street fight every time we go out there. But those guys had complete respect for us, and we had uh, respect for them. And I think that was the reason that, that we had such great matches with the Road Warriors. But working with somebody like John and Ron is, is would be a dream because we like aggressive guys. We don't like those guys. I mean, hell, we survived Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody. <laughs> and we survived Ernie Ladd and Bruiser Brody. I mean, all those guys. But working with John and, John and, and uh, Ron – Two tremendous athletes, world class athletes, and they brought the they brought the match to you. So there was never any guessing where the heel was going to be. They would always be right over the top of you. Where Jack and I made our living from selling guys, and then then doing those fiery comebacks. But we wouldn't been able to sell these guys. I could just see the double team down. I mean, they were in and out the athlete. Yeah, it would have been a ball, man. Jerry, Jerry yeah. I have to cut you off for one second. Did you say what? Is, what was that word you said? You lived off doing what? Do I? You lived off selling. Is that what you said? Yeah, we lived off selling. Yeah, selling. You know where where you get beat down a little bit, and you you get, oh. you you give the impression that you're hurt, and what some guy don't have to do twenty moves to you, they can body slam you, and wow, that hurt my back. I'm gonna lay here for a couple of seconds and sell. You know. And let the people feel my emotion. Let the people feel my pain. You know? Oh, it's sort but, of like you know, 20, 2023 where people are kicking out of a twisting, burning 450 Hammer Phoenix splash. Whatever <laughs> that is, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Life was so much easier back then. All we had was a clothesline from hell and, and, a, you know, and, a, and, a, and a road warrior jump. And, 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 and wow. Speaking of clothesline from hell, John, who is the one person, if you could mention here, that uh, when you hit the clothesline from hell, you gave a little extra oomph to? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wouldn't mention it here, though. Hebner. Uh, yeah, a little Hebner, Brian Hebner. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say the guy who took it the best was always Billy Gunn. I mean, Billy oh, Gunn dude. made me look like I was King Kong. I mean, Billy Gunn was. Billy Gunn made everybody look great, man. Oh my God, Billy was one of the greatest workers of all time, and John, you know, he John, John, he was. He, let me jump in there. You know, you you experienced one of the greatest nights in your career when you went where in Tallahassee and you walked out to the ring with the great Ron Ron Simmons at and Florida State University in Tallahassee, Florida. He got the applause like like he got he got one of those we used to call it Road Warrior pops, and you got to take it all in. That night where you guys were working, Jack, uh, Pat and I got to work with Billy Gunn and Road Dog, and I, I you know, I never experienced anybody, and I've been in the ring with some of the biggest guys, Blackjack, Mullick, some biggest guys, Andre the Giant, and in, in our business. That night, I, I, I don't know what got into me, but I was firing up. And, man, I went to Chicken Wing Suplex, uh, Billy Gunn. I, went, I got this hand in. I went to get that other hand. I couldn't get my damn hands to come together. That guy's back was so damn gigantic. It scared me to death. I'm, how the hell am I going to suplex it? I said, Billy, just go with it. I just laid backwards and he, he flew. He made me, he made me look like King Kong in that, in the chicken wing suplex. But man, what, what a huge guy, right? And what an athletic guy. Bill, Billy was incredible. I saw him one time a celebrity basketball game jump from almost the half, uh, not the half court, the, the free throw line to dunk a basketball. Yeah. I mean, wow. he was three quarters up to the foul line to the, toward the free yeah. throw line, jumping and dunking this basketball. Yeah. <laughs> You're like that good grief. And he was yeah. huge at the time. Billy yeah. was 
Un- still is. He ages backwards somehow. Yeah. Just a great athlete. Right. I ran into his high school football coach at a, some awards banquet a couple of years ago over in over in Orlando area. And I I he I, I asked him, I said, So you're you're Billy uh, uh uh high school football coach. He said, I said, What kind of athlete? He said, Briscoe, let me tell you, he's probably the greatest athlete I've ever coached in my entire life. And I've coached all Americans, I've coached champions, and but Billy was probably one of the greatest athletes. He could he said there was nothing that he could not do. Nothing in the athletic field that he could not do. You know, and Billy, the way he's aged, you go to like a re- wrestler's reunion now, we look like his old football coaches standing yeah. around. <laughs> <laughs> like, who, who's the player with the old coaches? Yeah. No, we're the same age. We just don't look the same. Yeah. Have you have you guys seen his kids? Oh, yeah, they're fantastic, oh. man. I, I oh, give him God. hell all the time. You know, he made he made that one graduate from Florida State University so he wouldn't be a wrestler, and he paid all that tuition. So every time I see Billy, and everybody knows how cheap Billy Gunn is anyway. So, I, <laughs> Billy, all that money you spent on that education because you didn't want your son to be a wrestler it really paid off. Oh, Briscoe, don't talk like that. He gets pissed at me. <laughs> hey, Jerry, uh, you know what feud I would have loved to, like, rewind the clock? And I would give everything, except my kids, up to do it. <laughs> to see you and I, I want you to just tell me how you think this could have worked but all right let me ask you what would you think during your days you and your brother the briscoes versus who would have been the draw would have been the best wow it's two in a best wow. of five well, series well I, I think I, I honestly i think i had the best and 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 then two different uh little feuds that we ended up having. The one would obviously be the Funk Brothers. Uh, you know, God bless Terry Funk. I mean, we, we, we went around the world with the Funk Brothers. And, you know, of course, Ricky, Ricky Steamboat, Jay Youngblood. But the, oh. the Funks, are, they're, they're the ones that kind of started it all. And uh, and then then Ricky and Jay kind of let us be our, our evil 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 side of us come out and and have a great heel run before we both retired in the business but you know you can go back the the matches were started out with jack and dory funk jr are some of the most classic matches of all time i mean uh, you know they should be a learning learning tool for every every school in the entire united states to try, try to teach somebody wrestling nowadays Watch that sixty-minute draw and how they told that story. How they had the people standing up, sitting down. How they had them doing anything they wanted to do, because they took the time as we were kind of kidding around earlier in this conversation and did that stuff that made the others register and sell a little bit. And, uh, and then, then the the the. the the tenacity of Dory uh, on on Jack and then Jack come back and how he led to come back and didn't pop that comeback in the very beginning until it was time to really blow for it. They're those guys. And then, then the, the, we just had it all clicking together. We had, you know, we're, we're, we're native Americans. They were cowboys. They were Texans, uh, low ass egg sucking dog Texans. And we're the great Okies from Oklahoma. So we had everything working and all four of us were great athletes. I thought, you know, so, yeah. Jerry, Jerry, who did the comeback for you guys? Who, who was the, who was the uh, bumper? Who was the, who was the? It, it, you know, it didn't matter. I mean, we, we, we had no designated. None of us had uh, a designated role. I mean, you know, we're we're all in there and equal. And there would be nights where Jack would just felt like doing that cell job that nobody in the world could do. 
like Jack Briscoe, and he would I'll, I'll do it tonight. You know, there were other nights where I, I felt you know I, I had to had the edge, and I, I would do it. And and Dory and Terry were the same same way. You know, when we go out to Texas, and they would switch roads, and they'd become the come the baby faces that Dory would sell or Terry would sell. It just depended once again, listening to the damn crowd and what the crowd is wanting and not trying mm-hmm. to change your mind on anything. And, you know, and, and, and just, just working slow and telling the story. Yeah. You hey, talk guys, about, let me, let me answer part of that because I'll take the AP out of it. Cause we'd have loved to have worked with somebody like, like Jerry and Jack, because it's such a contrast of styles, you know, and oh my goodness, that would have, been a dream for us but i think a couple a couple teams would have been great with the briscoes i think the steiners oh yeah 90 those guys were the best tag team in the world in the, in the early 90s i mean and nobody was close the stuff they did with, with hasi and suzuki in japan i mean those guys were just a different level it was uh, incredible to see the briscoes with the steiners uh wow. during, during I, I agree i agree with you i, we, I would have been terrified to work with the steiners to tell you the truth because <laughs> i would get them but I, I, you know, it just, just, uh, just, just their style and everything. It it would have, it would have, would have been fantastic. I would have loved to work with the signer, but once again, I think I'd, I would been, would been terrified to work with those guys. But another team yeah. I think would have been great with was Doom, managed by Teddy oh. Long. I mean, yeah. Ron and Ron and Butch were one of the most intimidating tag teams of all time, and they had a great spokesperson with Teddy Long. You put them with a couple of real babyface wrestlers that could go, that were also very tough. That's the perfect matchup style of two big bruising brutes, their heels against two great babyface wrestlers. I mean, that would have been incredible matches, but Doom versus the, the Briscoes. That's 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 an incredible side. And I, as someone who was blessed here in Toronto to get the witness when they used to book a lot of their talent for Mid-Atlantic Wrestling to see the Briscoe Brothers versus Steamboat and Youngbud live and in living color, as they say, at Maple Leaf <laughs> Gardens. You know, those were incredible matches. And if I can ask one more question from you, Mr. B, since we're talking about past tag teams that you you would have loved to have faced back in the day that you didn't get a chance to, do you see a team today that you think – that uh, you and your brother could have made some good money with uh, those damn oh, young bucks. It's got to be the young bucks. <laughs> I, I honestly, I can't, I can't say that because I don't watch, I don't watch much TV wrestling. Don't do it. But I, I, it I, I, I tell you, I tell you, I, I watch, I watch that NXT because I, I got a couple of dogs in the race down there that. Uh, that I enjoy the Creed brother. I mean, they're, they're ah. both, both national champion, both all Americans. I recruited both of them. Those guys are similar. My brother and myself. Uh, I think we'd have dynamic matches. You know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pop up somebody too that I that I as an individual, I think I'd like to work with that don't really get a lot of credit, but I've seen his his maturity over the last few years, and I've become a fan. It took me a long time. That's that damn Miz. I would love to be in the ring oh, with Miz and, and have a match with Miz. Hundred oh. percent. Miz you- is one of the best heels I've ever seen. He's so good. And here's what's amazing about Miz. Miz wasn't really trained oh. to come up through the territories and didn't have that educational yeah. background. He came right. from reality television yeah. straight into the, the top company in the world. I mean, that's next to impossible to learn yeah. on global television. Yeah. And Miz has built a Hall of Fame career that way. I'm not sure many guys, myself included, yeah. that could have just come straight to WWE yeah. and made it. I mean, it's it's really yeah. a testament to what Miz is. 
And, and, yeah, and, 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 and he didn't make it overnight either. And this guy, as, as you yeah. guys know, he was, he, he was, he was, I won't say the word abused, but he was, he was, he was shown the, the way of the locker room at an early age and, and had, had a lot of pressure on him and he could have folded. He could have, you know, a couple of times I thought he was going to fold, man, but he manned up and wow, mm-hmm. what a, what a, what a leader. I think he now, now he's a bona fide leader in the locker room. Which, by yeah. the way, Miz got Miz got thrown out of the locker room. Is I think it's for eating chicken over Scott Armstrong's back. back. I was there. I walked in the <laughs> locker room. Really see, Woodstock. I wasn't. I had I was, nothing. I had nothing to do with it. They told me about it later. What happened? And I said, I, okay, whatever I, you guys want. I was walking with Scott. We were walking back to the locker room. It was before the show started, and we walked into the locker. We were just chatting, having fun. Scott's a great. I love Scott. So we walk it in there, and there's Miz eating the chicken over the bag. And I didn't realize at the time that it was Scott's bag. And Scott stops, he looks, he goes, is that chicken good? He goes, yeah, it's good. He says, make sure you take the bones and shove them right down in there into the corners of the thing. And he went, and Miz went, ah, and he just kept eating. And he goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill him. And I and I, I hooked Scott as best I could. I said, Scott, don't do it, don't do it. And then William Regal was there. Oh. Uh, Miz, do you know whose bag you're eating over? He says, no. Then why are you doing it? And, and then from there, <laughs> Benoit was there and that, it, it was on. And I'm like, do I stay that, or that, do I get out of that, here that, before that, I witness that, something? That, that, you know. that story right there just tells you, though, in a nutshell, although right now we'll agree, we probably wouldn't have agreed late years earlier, but <laughs> how fucking dumb is that? All right, who cares? <laughs> yeah, he was fucking, eat a fucking piece of chicken over your bag. Wipe the shit off. You're going to buy a new bag in a year because you're on the road 365 days. Get the fuck over it. <laughs> but, and that night, that night, the broom closet started. Yeah. And I, and, and I see, I took storyline credit for it because I wasn't, I wasn't there for any of that. And I took storyline credit for it when they wanted to, you know, because JBL was the big bad guy. They said, yeah, JBL yeah. threw him out of the locker room and all that stuff, which is 100% false, which, you know, everybody said since then, but I still get blamed for, Throwing Miz, being mean to Miz when he started. How, how do you and Miz get along now? Are you guys buddies now? We get along well then. We, uh-huh. we get, and, uh, yeah, well, I, as far as I know, we get along really well. I can't speak for him. I, I think a lot of uh-huh. Miz. I would always uh-huh. tell him every day, Miz, I look forward to your excellent work. But it was a joke. You know, it was, it was fun. He would laugh. Uh-huh. And, you know, then he ended up, you know, main event in WrestleMania. I come back and we were joking about it. He goes, do you still look forward to my excellent work? I said, I still look forward to your excellent work. And. Yeah, I got along well with him then. That was all storyline stuff that they said. As far as I know, there was no, uh, there was no animosity be toward him. So and there I, certainly I, isn't now. I've sent him notes and stuff when he uh, does something great, which he does often. I, I think it's all work, every week, man. every week, man. His work is incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely incredible. I'm a, and, I'm a and, huge and, fan of what he does. You, you talk about guys like that. I mean, even now, y'all, I see that damn Logan Paul. I think I got the right oh. Paul brother, but I see that Logan Paul. Man, I'd love to be in the ring with that kid. I mean, you know, he's another kid that hadn't been trained, you know, a lot of training or anything like that. But he's got those natural instincts. And when you have those natural instincts, you don't need a lot of that damn locker room training. You just need to have a guy out out in the ring with you that will, fortunately, he's had the right guys in the ring with him also to make him look great. But, man, if you can't do it, you can't do it. But he's been able to do what those great workers in the ring wanted him to do. And what 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 an impressive young man he is. So I I have two more questions, one for each of you. 
And which one wants to go first? Because these aren't the easiest ones. Layfield, Layfield. I got to drink my Diet Coca. <laughs> All right. So we'll go with Bradshaw. Bradshaw, I am 100 lose connection here if the question is too tough. <laughs> hey, what, is, what is that? I can't hear you, huh? Huh? Are you there? Hello? Is this thing on? <laughs> we're live, pal. So, so there's a, yeah, we're live, pal. I, I, I was told, you know, not to act like the elephants in the room. That's fine. Don't know, no matter. I 100%, first of all, completely disagree and do not believe anything. I've been around you a long time, but you were known as a bully, supposedly in the locker room. I never saw it. I never felt it. Well, you bullied me. You just didn't bully the locker room. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Because that'll get taken out of context. I'm totally kidding. You did not bully me. I'm totally kidding. Hey, he bullied me. I ain't afraid to say it. Yeah, you yeah, <laughs> sure I did. Sure I did. You tying me up in a parking lot in Germany. No, these are on a cobblestone parking lot. He tied me up. Yeah, well, you know, you know who's saying it is a bunch of unathletic motherfuckers that have never been in a goddamn locker room. That's who's saying. <laughs> But anyway, I want <laughs> get it out, Brian. Don't get hot. <laughs> oh, I got hot. I got hot. You don't call my boy a bully. He didn't bully fucking nobody. Anyway, this is your stage. Are you a bully? People believe whatever they want, and that's fine with me. That, that's my answer. I, look, I'm not going to try to. Mr. Briscoe's going to believe it because he he tied me up one time in a cobblestone parking lot in Germany. I'm not. Look, I'm not trying to rewrite history. I'm not trying to make any revisions, nothing. People that know me, you know me, have no problem with me. People that know me, I'm still friends with that I've been friends with for 30 years. And people that want to have a dis disapproval of me or whatever else, I'm not going to spend time trying to create anything different in their mind than what's already there. If it's true to them, if it's true, it, it's whatever it is, it, it is. I, I don't care enough to go back and try to – revise history or create a different legacy that's you know i, I would just say this a lot of guys do that and I, I hope that i never do that and you know to me i, I plan on having fun tonight with ron simmons and coco beware and, and a bunch of guys here in, in vegas that's what i look forward to i look forward to seeing the boys and yes. and doing things and you know i could play the baby face i look forward to working with at-risk kids and people say, oh you're doing that just because you have so what people want to believe they're welcome to believe and, and here's my thing. I, I agree with you. This is me talking, not Jay Bradshaw, Layfield. No, 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 this is me. This is me. What makes me so mad about this? Is because times evolve, like they evolve. You know, times evolve. Things in the business change. Locker rooms change. Talent changes. And you know what? To me, it's a bunch of non-athletic pussies that have a problem. And, and the ones I hear about are the ones that I want. I don't want to call them out and make a big deal about. It, but the ones I hear about, like. They're pussies. It's straight up. It's called earning your stripes. It's called earn your stripes. And I don't know what athletic backfield that people have or don't have. That's the problem. Backfield they don't have. Where life's easy and you don't have a captain on a team kicking your dirt in your face. I mean, that's just part of the fucking game. But anyway, I'll move on. Great answer. That was a stupid Oh, well, Brian, let me let me throw my two cents in. You know, I, I come up through a time where high school football coaches and even middle school football coaches would beat the holy crap out of you if you messed up in a play. I mean, we uh, were all old enough. I think we went through that uh, that before all this stuff started changing. But, you know, what, what I saw later on, it, it, it's been a leader. 
being a leader in a locker room. It, it's 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 not being a bully. And people just misunderstood the difference between leadership and being a bully. And 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 you know, we didn't have any cases where there was any physical stuff done, maybe a little mental stuff done, but like you say, this is a grown up man's locker room and 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 man up with it. And times right. have changed. You know, what we used to do ribbing wise is is illegal now. Well, <laughs> Literally yeah. illegal yeah. now. You know, yeah. it's yeah. guys used to rib all the square, guys ribbed all the time. We had so mm-hmm. much fun banter that guys lived to have banter in the locker room, you know, uh-huh. and badger someone or have fun with someone. The next day it was somebody else, you know, because we had no we had no internet, we had no cell phone. It was just us entertaining ourselves. You know, and a lot of that stuff has changed. A lot of, for the better. You know, I, I get that. Yeah, it is for the better. But but could I, could, were, so, could I have you arrested now then for what you're saying? For you, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Statute of limitations, Mr. B. Statute oh, of okay. <laughs> Last one, and I'll get y'all guys out of here. I have to ask you this, Gerald, Mr. Briscoe, whatever you want me to call you, except you're my buddy. But um Montreal screw job, gotta go back there because I was asked this question <laughs> by a fan. He did it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I wonder sometimes. You know, I listen to all these stories. I wonder sometimes if I was even in the building. I mean, do you hear some of these yeah. stories? I mean, well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad everybody's wanting to take take the credit for that, man. And I, I did. Mm. I wasn't even in the building if you listen to some of these uh, characters telling their side of the story. Well, I know the story of this part. <laughs> after, you, after you badgered and bullied my dad into making the decision, he, <laughs> hey, there's the bullying again. There you go. <laughs> Which, by the, by the way, I, I want to bring this up real quick before you get to Mr. Brick. This is an important question. When I inducted them, him and his brother in the Hall of Fame, one of the greatest honors of my life, by the way, I did not walk off the stage and shake their hand because they're both walking at me, especially Mr. Briscoe, about half crooked. And I thought, they're going to stretch me in front of 10,000 people. They may do it backstage, but they ain't doing it out here. And I went side round. That's phenomenal. Oh, yeah, yeah. I looked at them and I thought – they're going to get me, and they're going to stretch me right here in front of 10,000 uh, people. In and their I was supposed to walk by them and shake their hand and hug them. I went side ramp and walked off. Uh, JBL, nobody's ever told you you weren't, like, fucking smart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nobody's ever told him that, no. And I'm down to it down there. So what's no, your question? Go ahead with Mr. Mr. Briscoe. Go, 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 go ahead and bury me on your podcast. What's your question? I'm not going to. Bury you. I would never bury you. And you know what? You can tell me fuck off with the question because it's by a fan, so fuck him too. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Montreal school job. You you need to label it. Work, shoot, or both. <laughs> I crack my ass up. I mean, if it's a work, I'm the dumbest SOB and people probably saying you are Briscoe. <laughs> I love hearing these people say it's all a work. I mean, it's a, if it's a work, it's the greatest damn work in the history of not only wrestling, but everything else that, that politics It's the greatest damn work in the history of working, man. And I'm glad to be a part of it. But Jerry, did you hear all three options work, shoot, or both? Well, it definitely wasn't a work, so it couldn't be both. So uh, I don't understand what you mean, shoot. They weren't out there shooting, no. I mean, they were out there working. They had two, you had two great professional wrestlers out in the ring at working, and the finish was, was a work. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
As someone who was there witnessing it live, Mr. B, and not knowing what the heck was going on, it was it was the most memorable thing I've got to witness. Let's put it that way. Especially because Bruce, I don't know if Bruce was if Bruce was aware of what was going on, because he Bruce was Manny Gorilla. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce did not know shit. I'll tell you, the, the people that knew okay. stuff was, was me, uh, Vince, Sean, of course, and uh, Kevin Dunn. That's it. That's it. Amazing. That's it. Because, because I could, you know, because I'm standing in Gorilla, you know, Sean gets, Earl took the bump, Sean gets Brett in the sharpshooter. I'm standing right beside uh, Bruce, Pritchard, uh, uh, at Gorilla, he's manning the thing, and we're waiting for the. We were told it was going to be a schmoz at the end. We're going to run out. Yeah, I went. If you're saying Davy Boy and Owen was sitting right there next to Bruce, yeah, they were. They yeah. were waiting to go in for the schmoz for, yeah. for the for the uh, supposed real finish that was going to go down, where it was going to be a, a exactly. just a big schmoz and a throwout. So Bruce had right. no clue what was going on, and he, yeah, because, you know, because, you know I, 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 on on Bruce's podcast, something to wrestle with. I'll plug that some gun and. Uh, <laughs> Even though he's doing two hundred million dollars a year better than we made John our, our <laughs> podcast, and won't share none of it, and he uses John and I's fodder all the damn time on that damn show. We should at least get you some type of commission. But uh, you know, boy, it, it, on his on that show, something to wrestle with. Conrad Thompson interviews me. It's probably the most in depth, and probably the last time I'll ever do a, uh, uh, an interview like that about the Montreal screw job because I'm Montreal screw job to death, man. But that, uh, that was probably the most in depth one. If you ever want to listen to something that happened almost minute per minute, listen to that podcast. But that, that was one of the most trying days. You know, I have three friends, and uh, John John was working at the time, and uh, it was still office and uh, and talent and. Uh, we were friends, but we weren't. We aren't like we are now. But you know, there was Bruce or Pat and Jr. Those were the guys I traveled with. You guys know guys that you travel with. You share everything with. You know, you're you're one and the same. You know, you all you all cry together. You all cheer together. You all. But I, that day, you know, I I was stressful. You can't imagine, you know, carrying that weight around just me all day long without anybody to share it with inside the business. I couldn't go go to Jr. because Jr. had had a job to do, and I didn't want him to to get any heat. I couldn't go to Pat because Pat's relationship with both Sean and, and Brett was was next to nothing, and I didn't want to destroy that friendship. And besides, I really think Pat would have cracked under pressure, so I couldn't go to him. Bruce is another guy. I mean, uh, I, I I couldn't go to Bruce because Bruce Bruce is a guy that didn't need to know what was going on and get undue heat on him, and so that next day in that car when we were driving over to Ottawa and all four of us piled in that car, that was one of the most tense moments with everybody out out there as we were loading up, calling us all motherfuckers and assholes and everything else you could think, spitting on us. We got in the car and locked, closed the door and drove about fifteen twenty miles, and saw saw one of those Bob Horners over the corner. Pat said, let's get some coffee. So we went in and got donuts and coffee and got back in the car. Nobody had said a word about what had happened. But we had our donut and they had their coffee, and I had my Diet Coke about about a quarter way up. Pat said, all right, who knew? You know, they went around the circle. Hmm. I was the last one in the car. I knew. And all of a sudden, every eyeball felt like, man, that the pressure was on, and every, every eyeball in that car was on me. Oh, what, what happened? Why didn't I? Why didn't you tell? 
you know, I couldn't tell you guys. And, but what a trip that was trying to explain how from my three best friends at the time, you know, how I, how it was, Hey, uh, couldn't couldn't share what was going on with those guys and of course they were all pissed off they hated me by the time we got out of the car you oh. know <laughs> but yeah that, that was a stressful time so uh you know i i, I hear these guys well, it was a work you know okay it was the greatest work in the business then you know well there's yes. it wasn't you know it was, it was a shoot shoot as far as shoot uh not brett not knowing what the finish was going to be uh that way and you know people well vince came out there vince was uh, and and that phase was wasn't unusual for Vince to go out and sit, 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 sit at the table, you know, so that, that part of it wasn't unusual either, you know, but, uh, yeah, I, as far as I know, you know, and, uh, it was, it was a, it was a legitimate uh, shoot as far as the screw job goes. So, hey, Jerry, Brian, you know, we, we had your dad on our podcast and it was the first time that he and Mr. Briscoe had gotten together about the Montreal screw job. It was really wow. cool to hear both of them talk about it from their perspective. And the pressure on them and all that, it was, it was, I didn't realize they had not just been able to discuss it in the 20 something years since. It's, it's a, it's a, it's truly like never going to go away. It, it's never not. Mm. It, it just has it now. It's not going to, it's not going to, it was a historical, big, huge moment in wrestling history. And believe me, um, Bradshaw, we talked about this last night. You said it's not, it's unfair for my dad to catch all the heat that yeah. he got. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It was bigger than just the screw job because you look at the fallout from it. We're leading up to WrestleMania. We're getting Mike Tyson. You created the, the one of the greatest characters in the history of wrestling out of that, the evil Mr. McMahon, which would not have been created if it hadn't been for the Montreal screw job. So we got, when we finally beat WCW, it was Stone Cold versus Vince McMahon on Monday Night Raw that did it. And we got that because of the Montreal Screwjob. What WCW got was a great champion in Bret Hart, but they didn't put him on TV right away. So they they didn't they weren't able to utilize for whatever reason, whether it was contractual or whatever it was, or Bret was hurt or whatever it was, they didn't utilize the fact they got one of the greatest champions of all time. So we get this great character, and they don't get Bret Hart right away to make the difference on, on their side. So I mean, it, it changed the tide. You know, it was already changing. You know, Stone Cold was getting hot. You know, Mike Tyson was coming. WrestleMania was coming. But that's what one of the biggest things that could happen in, in the Monday Night Wars. And the Stooges were getting hot. And the Stooges were getting hot. <laughs> yes. And, and, and you know what? Here, here's the grandest moment of it all for me as a Hebner, by the way. Um, the reason why my dad got fired by that piece of shit fucking piece of garbage that should have been thrown out a long time ago johnny ace got rid of my dad was because of some shirt deal that was done guess what he took those shirts and he made on purpose because he was so pissed damn right i did because it says when he walks out there people say you screw brett you screw brett he's got a referee looking shirt it says damn right i did he takes it off throws it to the crowd and that intermission sells more than the motherfucking boys do and guess what Fuck you, Johnny Ace. He's making more money now than he ever did before because of the job. So whatever, dude. Just saying. Well, your dad's an entrepreneur, man. That's the reason he's, he's uh, baby Earl, man. He's awesome. Yeah, I still I still remember his debut, man. I can't remember. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, his yeah. debut in WW for Vince, anyways. It was Saturday night's main event. But uh, it was funny. Real quick, I'm watching the ring. 
And I'm thinking, it, I'm watching Dave and I go, I'm thinking to myself, boy, uh, you know, uh, Dave's looks like he's lost some weight. Huh? He's looking good. <laughs> and I go turn around to get a coffee at the coffee table and there's David standing there and, the, and he goes to me. And I went, and I'm still trying to put two and two together. And go, oh, and then it dawned on me. But anyways. What the hell are you talking about, Corderas? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's Look, you hear you. How, how did how did he say it, JBL? You said it last night. It's the guy with the the makeup or something. What'd you say? Oh, uh, the Hulk Hogan. How how much did the plastic surgery cost you? How much did the plastic <laughs> surgery cost you? Yeah. <laughs> Fucking classic. All right, we all keep saying. Hey, oh, wait, wait, wait. I got I gotta say in fairness, you guys are gonna <laughs> you guys are gonna you guys are gonna hate me for this, but I've been you know blindsided by so much on the internet. But I want to say uh, Johnny Ace has always has always been fair to me. So I, I want to give just a little equilibrium to Johnny Ace. I understand okay. your sentiment, but I, I've got to say a little something there that's not just because he doesn't speak up because he's whatever else. He's not on social media. So just to just to be fair to as fair as you can be to to, to Johnny Ace. What 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 the hell got into you, Life Phil? Yeah. Why do you feel the need to be so nice and kind on my show? Fuck. I, Fuck. Yeah, I'm the Canadian. Who, who listens to this show, man? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. You just, what does he owe you money? No, he doesn't owe me money. It's just I, <laughs> I don't like I don't like bashing people. You didn't say shit. I did. I know, but I was sitting here while you were saying it. Then you should have said, I don't want to say anything. Not put him over. Don't put him over my fucking show. Okay, then I want to say anything. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, in all honesty, I like Johnny. I did. He was No, you him. don't. No, you don't. Dell, you know, you just said you did. No, no, no. I didn't say I like him now. I said I liked the pretense. L-I-K-E-D. Liked Johnny Ace. But then he fucked my family, dude. And John Johnny's a likable guy, man. We gotta give him credit for that. He's a very likable guy. He's got the smartest man in the room, fucking fooled. But anyway, um, <laughs> we can talk so, about somebody other than Johnny Ace. <laughs> yes, we can right now because we all keep saying one more thing, one more thing. RJ, let's get us out of here, dude. Right, <laughs> lastly, got lastly, Mr. Briscoe, Mr. Briscoe. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. Uh, just plug what you guys got coming up. Obviously, you got you had, you know, this, well, to me, and he's bottom left to me. You got, he's going to be coming out this Thursday. But what else you got uh, coming up, though? I, obviously, JBL, you're there in Vegas now with for Mr. Uh, Simmons. Yeah, we, we've got, like, we do a new show every single week. We've done one for almost two years. We've interviewed almost every legend, uh, you know, a, around from the 70s through the 90s. And we just continue putting out uh, more and more more and more guys. Uh, Brian Hebner is one of those. Uh, it's coming up. Uh, we had just had Pat Militech on. We've got, you know, we've, we've had so much fun interviewing guys because to us, the wrestling business has been so fragmented back in the day you had guys that were incredibly over like Tommy wildfire rich. That was as over as any human being has ever been. And a lot of people didn't know him because he wasn't on say WCW that much or WWE, you know, and to us, that's huge. You know, Ricky Robert were the same, you know, the people down in Texas, Dick Murdoch uh, was the same, you know, Stan people know because of the internet, but you know, there's so many people that were over in so many places that it's pretty cool to us to, to talk to these guys. Cause they all have great stories. Hell, we haven't had Tony Chimmel on. 
Yeah, which almost canceled us on the whole show. <laughs> Terrible. We lost. Wow. We lost three sponsors when we had Donnell. <laughs> That's right. Oh, then you came out ahead because we're talking yeah. on the show. The only three. <laughs> yeah, Steve Jobs uh, was almost turned over in his grave, and he had uh, Mr. Cook call us from Apple and say, "Guys, listen, you're going. We're going to take you off Apple Podcast if we ever have Tony Chimmel again." Uh-huh. <laughs> awesome, and M- Mr. Briscoe, you had anything coming up? Any conventions or whatnot? No, I, 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 you know, football season uh, here at uh, college football season, and, and people know me. I, I, you know, we work. I worked, you know, all my life on on the weekend on on college football Saturdays, uh, pro football Sundays. Hell, I had uh, season tickets for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I had to give them up because I was working all the time. And believe me, those were the hardest things to sell after an zero twenty six two year run. So. They were hard to get rid of, but uh, mm-hmm. I stay at home. I watch my football. I'm a huge football fan, and you know I, I'll turn over if if I hear somebody's kids that I I help uh, recruit are getting a little break and they're on TV. I'll tune into it, but I, I'm I'm not a big fan. It's not that I don't like a product. I really do like what they're doing. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a what do they call it? A, a premium event guy. I'd love to watch them. The, the production that guys like Kevin Nash and all those guys are Kevin, uh, Kevin Dunn and all those guys do on, on the production side of WWE make those shows so special and so spectacular that I do watch them, but I, 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 you know, I, I'm not knocking any other organization, but I know nobody. And I really don't care to know nobody. And if I don't know anybody else, I, that's fine. I got the, my circle of friends that I, that, that I enjoy being around. And and John and I are amazed each week that these legends that come on and the stories that we get. And, uh, you know, they're the stories that when we're all in car driving up down highway, hey, did you hear what happened to Stan Hanson and the AWA belt? Man, we didn't get a rumor or hearsay. We got it from Stan Hansen himself. What he did at AWB, and that's what makes our show special. We we get these we get these ribs, these stories from the guys who were there and and were part of it. So we're having a ball doing it, and we hope everybody enjoys it. We're like we enjoyed this show tonight, riffing it up, man. It was great. Hey, let me let me tell you one quick story about college football and Mr. Briscoe because we love college football. <laughs> Rock Simmons, obviously, you know, three-time All-American at Florida State, loves college football. <laughs> Mr. Briscoe is sitting by Ron Simmons at a, an appearance, and he goes, "Hey, have you got the game?" And he goes, "Mr. Briscoe goes, yeah, they're playing someone like a Division One AA school or something, Toy Toy State or something like that." <laughs> Mr. Briscoe tells me, he "Goes, they're down seven zero." Ron goes, "You're kidding me." Because they're down seven zero to Troy State, he goes, yeah, still got a lot left in the first quarter. So he goes, well, keep me updated. So it comes the second quarter. Mister Briscoe goes, wow, they're down fourteen thirteen. It's still close. But he goes all the way to the end of the game, and finally Troy State beats them. And Ron goes, you're kidding me. And Jerry goes, yeah, I am. The game's tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. What, what really happened is. What really happened is I told him, told him exactly how John says. So I think you know, I'm going to the airport, so I think I'm escaping, you know, and leaving Ron in limbo. So we get to the airport, and somebody at the airport says, "Hey, Ron, you're watching the game tonight." He told him <laughs> one game. <laughs> even damn better, you, Brish, even better, damn, bro, damn, yeah. oh, damn you. <laughs> All right, so our, our, our show has totally changed tonight, and it's okay. I'm glad with it. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Um, 
we're gonna end it right here. Like in other words, Jimmy, put your shit in. I'm putting my shit in. RJ, you put your shit in. We're casting out of here. You said that 20 minutes ago, Brian. I'm yeah. trying, Jerry. <laughs> hey, look, I don't understand how y'all's podcast. I looked at your podcast. It's like an average of an hour and 40 minutes. This motherfucker's like three hours. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. right, Jimmy, go ahead. Uh, for me, you know, obviously here on the Reffing It Up podcast, usually you can catch me on the Wrestling Inc. Uh, website doing the post-ROM, post-AEW Dynamite uh, reviews. But uh, coming up, I'm going to be taking a few weeks off. Nothing special, just taking a break uh, to spend time with some family. You know, that's uh, I, I like to stay married. Let's just put it that way. And uh, <laughs> the wife and I are going to spend some quality time together. So I'm taking a break, not only from the podcasting, but also from my social media sites. So there's be no ref and rants for, for a little while. But uh, I'm going to enjoy my time off. And then when I come back, I'll be full of piss and vinegar. <laughs> well, what's I'm that like? I'm not, I'm not taking a break from shit. I got to keep working hard like I've always done my whole life, and it's okay. Um, Jimmy, you know what? I understand why you're taking a hiatus. I'm taking a hiatus from the whole business itself. I just get to stay home, chill with my kids, sleep in my bed, drive my car, go across the street, the food line over here. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, at Baby Hebner on Twitter and Instagram. Other than that, I have nothing else. That's it. RJ, what do you All got, right. buddy? We got check us out on Instagram and the Twitter gimmick at Ruffin It Up. And next week, Brian, we'll be welcoming in uh, another third man in the ring. Uh, Mr. Daniel Spence will be joining us next week, and we'll be talking to uh, Mr. Jesse Goddards as well. So looking forward to that next week. Stay tuned. DM us all those questions for him. Uh, for Mr. Brian Hebner, for Jimmy Caderas, and thank you once again to JBL and Mr. Gerald Briscoe. We'll see you here next week on Reffing It Up. One, two, three.